You are listening to Smokin' Theologians, a long-form conversation with hosts Alex Gonzalez and Preston Graham. Alex is a filmmaker, digital creative, and our designated layman. Preston is a church planter and pastor, author, and our theologian. This is Season 2, Episode 6. Is there a match right over there on that thing right there? I'm surprised more hippies didn't come to Jesus in that time. Well, a lot of hippies did, man. I mean, we were all singing about Jesus. Yeah, kumbaya. Jesus is just all right with me. Yeah. Doobie Brothers, and then I went to that concert. Um, but before that, yeah, <laughs> Jesus was like a hero figure because he was all love. Mm. Of course, the kind of love that the hippies talked about was really the precursor of what we talked about last week, where is that love that's tolerant love. Thank you very much. Free love, free sex. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought about that? I have a, there's a course in the university nearby that had us, has something on that. And, you know, there really is a, a little small movement, at least, in theology that would say that free love, uh, free sex, in other words, open sex is more loving. Because without the contract, without the marriage contract, that when you just do it for the sake, pure joy of doing it, which is really what's happening there, that that's real love. No springs attached, no expectations. You know, it, it's- I mean, it's, there's a response to that. I have friends who, who think that like, monogamy is inherently a- Yeah. Is a passed down uh, ancient tradition used to oppress. That's right, it's an economic, it all came out of the, yeah. That land rights and things like and that. And they confuse, And it you know, boasted patriarchalism, yeah. Exactly, and then they say, well, you know, they, they make good arguments, you know, but their arguments are kind of, in my opinion, all based on lust. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're a married man, happily married man, uh, you took that vow, it's not to say that we, you won't suffer lust or you won't suffer some ideas, if you will. We, we, we need to do a, a podcast on marriage and love, I think. Because yeah. I do think there's a lot of, a lot of people today that that are um, questioning marriage and and understandably, you know, with all the the, the harm. We're getting, the we're getting married pain. later and later. I mean, like in my mom's generation, was like, <coughs> my mom got married at 27, and that was like really old. Yeah, right. And now that's like kind of young to get married. So let's talk about love, Jesus love. Jesus, we're love. here to talk about Jesus. AKA Christology, Christology, you know, who is Jesus? What, what is he by nature? Yeah. Question, Nicene Creed. Well, that's a good question. Like gun to your head, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Gun to your head. The first thing that comes to my head? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, okay. there's a gun. <laughs> okay, the gun. Who's Jesus? He's God and man and savior, mediator. Of course, I'm saying it now of everything I have in my head, but. I think, what do you think on the street? Who's Jesus? A a mythological creature that that some folks uh, use to make themselves feel better about mortality. Really? Walk that out for me a little bit. Uh, So, how does that work? Why is it going to be feeling, why would I feel better about mortality to believe that he's a mythological figure? Um better about mortality well because the promise of Jesus is eternal life so it's it's one way that humans cope with the reality of death is to so is it kind of a, a coping mechanism it's, an, it's a coping mechanism it's an appeasement to 
the crutch. The, the, it's a crutch to the to the harsher reality that we're gonna die and we're insignificant and like uh, the circle of life. We're just we're, one day we're gonna be plant food and that should be enough. Yeah, that's interesting. So we're we're immediately targeting not Jesus, what he is by nature, but Jesus in terms of how he functions or what is his sort of purpose and coming to if, if it, what was his purpose and how are we to relate to him with that purpose it's really you know it's even more sinister than that is what what can Jesus do for me um, yeah. um, as if Jesus's only function is to save mankind I'm not and that's something that's interesting I'm kind of just thinking about this spitballing out loud for the first time and like Jesus must be doing other things than just being safer. just being focused on us. Yeah, is he not? I mean, is that? A, he's not our. He's not a cosmic babysitter, if you will. He, he's more than that. He's a personality. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think that. But what's interesting, and, and and I think I must have talked about this sometime before, but. What's interesting about to, to me about Jesus is that we all still say the name Jesus. If he was just some random hobo yeah. saying, do this, do that, I mean, there's been millions of those and we don't remember their names. We still, and even if you're far from so Jesus. So you're saying that the name Jesus is somewhat sacred even with a secularist. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in rooms where people even say his name more than I do. They say it as a curse or when something bad happens. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, well, I do think, I, you know, it's interesting because I wasn't thinking about this before this podcast, but there, there's, we call it atonement theory, theologically, kind of a, what is it that Christ came to do, which then atones for, or what did he do? And there's at least five historically that, I, that come to mind. I won't go through them all, but but one would say he came as a moral exemplar. He's a he's a he's a wonderful spiritual guide. He's a he's a spiritual leader. Um, you know, someone who lived who gave us an example of what humanity could be and do, and what we should be trying to do. So they pretty much limit Jesus to. You know, he's yet another spiritual guide, like Muhammad or someone else. Um, and I think in that vein, most religions even affirm him. Like if you're Buddhist, Buddhist, you know, they affirm Jesus as in a Buddhist light as being a, a wonderful spiritual guide. I remember someone came to our church that came from a Buddhist family, and when they when he told his family that that you know um, he was going to church, they said, "Well, that's beautiful," you know as long as he remains a spiritual guide. It wasn't until he wanted to be baptized, which meant that he was now in being grafted mystically. They had a mystical view, rightly so I might add, the West has lost it, but a mystical view of God's presence on earth. To be baptized was now to enter into his fold, his household, his community of faith, which would be to reject the community of faith of Buddhism. They didn't like that. And that was another story, but yeah, I think moral exemplar is probably what a lot of people think of him as, as someone who kind of came to show us the way. Which rough, you know, if you think of that in atonement words, though, that means he's showing us how we can save ourselves, which is going to conflict with the Christian view of Jesus. He did come to be a moral example, but 
it wasn't just to be a moral example that we might follow him and eventually we can through his make actions, ourselves worthy would, to be saved. What would Jesus do? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people hate that. I read a book. It's it's called um, by Sheldon. It's it's I think it's called uh, In His Steps. What's it called? In His Steps by In something steps. Sheldon. I read it maybe thirty years ago. Yeah. But it's this imaginary city where someone got sort of you know enthralled with Jesus and he started a movement that said before we do anything in this city let's ask ourselves what would Jesus do and it's a whole story allegory and, and, and of don't a city get, that began to live that okay, way okay I said that as almost as like a tongue in cheek like don't yeah. get me wrong like I, I think it's good to follow the, yeah. the example of Christ right but but there is something he, he, about that. Hear me heresy. calling him Christ rather than just Jesus. Yeah, good distinction, man. Jesus, Jesus is a name. It's a very popular Latino name, Jesus. Um, but to call him Jesus Christ, I think. And you really should say the Christ. The Christ. A lot of people because it's the it's Messiah, so, the anointed it's one. It's so funny. Like as silly as it sounds, a lot of folks think that's his last name. His last name. I know. It. <laughs> It's Jesus the Christ. Yeah, he, Jesus the is the human. This is a good segue, actually. I mean, so Jesus, of course, gets the gets to the person who who's from Galilee. The Christ gets to the divine nature of God, who enters into the cosmos as an anointed one to save us from our sins, not just to guide us, but to save us from the curse of sin. Yeah. The atonement. The atonement, which I mean, is and, and, to and, satisfy. And, atonement means to satisfy something that needed to be satisfied. So that's the whole question of atonement theory in theological terms. Is what was it that Christ came to satisfy? Was he satisfying Satan? Did he come to redeem us from Satan, to, to enter, barter with Satan? And if you get that view, that's called Christus Victor. Christus Victor. Christus, Christus Victor theory, which is he came victory over to Satan. win victory, to defeat Satan, and to that's a popular and to enter into a proposition, literally in some ways, to enter into a transaction with Satan, where he gave his life as 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 a price paid to Satan that we might be released. And of course, the Christian Church his, historically is just you know that going. It's true that he came and he entered into a spiritual warfare and it's true that he was victorious but that is to reduce the atonement to a way that exalts too much satan exactly it, it almost it almost like bleeds into the concept of dualism yeah that good and evil yeah. are that this whole world is a, is a, is a it's a world of good and evil where when you start think it's almost as like Jesus, excuse me, Satan is the anti-Jesus, if you will. Um, maybe, okay. Uh, but my, my point is that they're at He's the same kind of power. Yeah, exactly. But but they're at the same power level. Right. Whereas I think it's more He's just like, a little more powerful than Satan. It's it's like way so more you, like you this. You got it exactly. That's exactly why the church historically is not, there are, there are good traditions with, that are Christos Victor, but but you have to stop short, though, of making that the primary end. So if it's so, there's we just done two. There's Christus Victor. There's the moral exemplar theory where he came to show us the way. Um, 
Can you think of anything else that would that people would think about? I bet you I can locate. Uh, this is kind of fun for me to see if I can locate it in history. Um, that what we're doing. In some ways, this is the point that often what I hear happening on the streets is just another iteration of a historical heresy, maybe that's been out there. Um, sorry, what were the first two? The first two that Christus he came Victor, as moral exemplar. He came, he came so in other in, in plain terms, one, yeah. he came as a moral example. He came to defeat Satan. Um, I would say the third. What's another common trend out there? That he came to be our guide. That's moral moral exemplar, more or less. Yeah. I mean more like buddy buddy Jesus. I meant more like Jesus yeah, is gonna go see. Yeah, Jesus is there to, as if he's there to be our best friend and our. How can I put this? Yeah, our, I can't locate that one quite. I don't I think know. that's still a subset, at least, of the moral exemplar. Ah, but I don't know. I failed the test. Yeah, that's, no, you didn't. It's good. Well, there's. You probably would think about coming out of a Catholic. I mean, how does Jesus save us from our sins? It's called the mystic atonement where there is a mystical communion between those who partake of the sacraments and those who and, and Christ in a way that we, by mystically being in union with Christ, are therefore um, uh, in Christ mystically ushered into heaven. It's our union with him. Yeah. And I want to be clear, that is a very reformed view as well. Union with Christ and even mystical communion with Christ. I very much believe that. So I do believe he's a moral exemplar. I do believe that we are mystically in communion with Christ insofar as we partake of the body of Christ, the church on earth, as Christ is in heaven. And that mystical communion is real and there's power and there's genuine efficacy in that union that enables us by the spirit to believe and and to persevere and trust and all that so there's an element of truth to that i mean not, not even an element i'd say you could argue that union with christ is the most fundamental of how we relate to god by union in christ but it still doesn't quite explain he's he's the great mediator there he's, you go he's the great he's the great medium between us and the almighty which we can't even begin to approach or understand and praise God for this idea that he came as a man so in a way that we can relate to him more than we can relate to just a cosmic energy if you will so with that mediator part the target of that mediation now is to reconcile us with God yeah yeah and with that mediator he needs to become our advocate so what what is a mediator a mediator, yeah, go ahead. It's somebody who is uh, essentially the referee between a dispute. Yeah, good. Yeah. That is something I feel has gotten lost. Yeah. That ultimately... Because it seems to be, to, if I may, it seems to be too good to be true. I mean, first of all, you know, he, he's our, our defense attorney, and we're going to face the judgment of God, but we're going to, through him, in him, receive the, the verdict not guilty um now you're talking about a legal situation here i am okay I am. the term for that historically is he came to be our we call it penal substitution he came to satisfy the law that condemned us and he does that by representing us and 
to God, who is the lawmaker. And if you think about that, now we have a situation where for Jesus to be our savior, he must be by definition of that, both God and human. Well, I'm glad we're talking about that because that's something that's been plaguing me honestly to this day. Who the F is Jesus? Is he God in flesh? Is he Yahweh? Is he the begotten son of God? I mean, there's so many different ways that the scripture even describes him. Um, and all everything you just said, we can say yes. I know. <laughs> um, but what's interesting, everything I just said is almost like distinct of itself. In other words, if Jesus is Yahweh, if Jesus, when I say Yahweh, I mean the creator. If Jesus is the almighty creator, um, to me it just, it just made no sense that if he was Yahweh, if he truly was the almighty, why does he keep praying to the Father? Because he's also a man. And also... And then a lot of Christians, oh, it's the mystery of the Trinity. Well, right. that's, also, that's, that sounds like know, an excuse. Yeah, it does, but let's just step back. You're right. But um, also, you're dealing with Trinity concepts now. Is there a Father? And is that Father in a relationship to the Son as Father? As someone who... Does, does the Almighty discipline Jesus? Well, he wouldn't need to if Jesus is perfect and divine. So this is the mystery. It is a mystery. As, by the way, every single solitary doctrine we're ever going to talk about, we talked about that in the incommunicable and the communicable. There's something about God that is not relatable to who we are because he's not temporal. So take him out of the temporal. And now we got this idea of three persons. Sure. One being. Three persons, one being. And every single possibility of making a metaphor for that falls short. Can I try? I've heard clovers. I've heard ice water and and mint. I mean, there's all kinds Can of I stuff. Can I try one? I want to hear it. I remember really struggling with this. Uh... How can the, the idea of the Trinity? How can three distinct, essentially personalities, if you will, be also one? And I thought, well, I, I just thought, I'll, I'll say two illustrations. One, I thought of a tree, I thought of a trunk, I thought of a branch, and I thought of a leaf. They're all tree, but they're distinct parts of that thing. And then I thought of, okay, I am a man, I'm a human, um, uh, but I'm also Alex. I come from man. So to me, Jesus came from God, Yeah, if that makes sense. He, he, is, he is the race of God. Maybe the I'm The problem wrong. with those analogies Please. is every one of them gets you to a heresy. Even well, well, though they well, might well, be helpful. But with the branch ones, I think a good one. Well, like the, but the, see, that, but there's a heresy called civilianism, and that, and that heresy says this. Really, the Trinity is just three manifestations of one God. And you learn lose the personhoodness of each person of the Trinity. You, in other words, sometimes God reveals Himself like a spirit. Sometimes God reveals Himself like a Father. Sometimes God reveals Himself like a Son. It's the, really just one God who heliographs Himself on Earth every once in a while. Who who comes to us individually somehow. That sometimes He acts like a Father who 
sends a son and other times he acts like a son who sends the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he acts like the Holy Spirit who points us back to the son. All of that is making God really to be not a trinity, a tri-unity. Sounds like God's schizophrenic. It's a, it's a it's, He's suffering through multiple personality disorder. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, that's right. I've never thought of that. That's a really awesome uh, way to think about it. But yeah, he's got a personality disorder. Oh, yeah. And he can't, he can't make out who he, he is when he's, when, when, he's, when he's doing Yeah, That's awesome. Um, that's really good. So yeah, I think we got to be careful that when we, we, we can't walk around the mystery, we got to just walk right through it. And to do that, we need to say, you know, outside of time and space, there is no temporal analogy and every analogy that we'll come up with will be linted by its temporal constraints sure whether it's the clover one plant three leaves whether it's the different you know um aspects of h2o and the you know, H2O. You know you know it's ironic yeah that's a good i never heard of that one, but you know it's ironic with the clover isn't the lucky clover the four leaf clover yeah there you go the irish had it right all the way I, <laughs> yeah. but they missed it yeah so maybe that's the god plus man added i don't know yeah, yeah. that's elevating us let, let me just don't so forget let's, i think you'll, you'll find it I, I just jotted down before i came so i, I, I still it. i still to be honest don't feel satisfied with our definition well but let me let's walk through this let's let's stay here for just a minute because i think this is a good way to intro here but um i also need to horribly light myself what i'm looking for the you know i i oh i'm in the wrong thing here um let's see here yeah here we go no i think i think the the the, the different heresies so let me just walk through them there's one heresy called docetism where jesus is god so he can't be human and so therefore jesus in modern terms is a hologram You'd like that, right? Simulation, all that stuff. So he's like a projection. Basically, it's 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 Jesus. Donatism has Jesus. They they focus on most of the heresies want to overcompensate for one or the other of his natures. He's both God and human. Distinct. The, the Orthodox view. He's both God and human, distinct, but never separate. So. In some ways, the closest metaphor we have is marriage, where you have a husband and a wife. They are always distinct personalities, but in their union, both physically and spiritually and, and covenantally, they are one. But that still is only a metaphor. It doesn't get to the, the, the deepness of the unity of the triunity. So you have docetism that emphasizes the God side, so that when Jesus, so Jesus now was just God who is sort of enacting humanity is another way to put it, but he's not really human. Okay, that's sure. one. Eponitism is, uh, the Judaizers had this. He's human, therefore not God, but Christ, uh, uh, you know, He's reached and, some state of nirvana. Well, what they'll say is that when he was then filled with the Spirit at his baptism, God entered into him. Yeah. So now it's a, a belief that he wasn't born God and man. And again, what I would say, what we would say, heresy. That's so dangerous belief because then yeah. that that could that could make us think that oh maybe one day you know this, we can reach the same 
level of nirvana, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. There's a kind of partaking of God's nature that becomes God too much. And then you start assembling armies, yeah. and then it's World yeah. War II. So that's that's that. Then you got canonicism, and kinetic. That, that's a Greek word for empty. And Philippians talk about it, and he emptied himself. The big debate is what did he empty himself of when he came to earth? And there's different theories. You know, some would say that he emptied himself as of, of his divinity. So now we're tilted towards the human side. He's really just human and he emptied himself of God. And that's why he prayed, for instance. He had to pray because he wasn't God. And he wasn't, but we're gonna say, well, no, he prayed because in his incarnation, he was here to represent us and yet remain God, but he was truly human, which means he had true, that there's a sense in which he still though within the Trinity would have prayed because God's the father, he's not the father. He said, how should we pray? Father, we should never pray to Jesus. We pray to Father in Jesus' name, but we don't pray to, the, to Jesus. God, the Father, is the one who decrees all things, who, who, who orders all things with this authority, which Jesus is, and Jesus now sits at his right hand. And who, he does, who sits on the left? I guess you can say the Holy Spirit, but I don't know. Okay, so. This okay, analogy, he, I don't he, know. Hear me out. Trying to be polite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. There, there's another one, real quickly, that would say that Jesus, while you're thinking, the adoptionism means he came to earth as a human. At his resurrection, he was infused with the divine. So he doesn't become God and human until the re uh, resurrection. And then there's a th thing called modalism, and that's the idea of Jesus is becoming more and more of God mm. as he is walking through life. He's progressing He's into progressing God. and he's his, hitting, he's evolving almost into he's God. He's hitting, he, he, he hit puberty. Yeah. Now the one that you mentioned earlier is also called the economic theory or Sabellianism and that's a view that wants to say, well, sometimes he comes, he acts like the father, sometimes he acts like the son, sometimes it's like we call it the economic view that sometimes in an economic sense, he, I don't mean financial, I mean he he acts this way to do something. Another time he'll act this way to do something. These are all heresies. And so they all are trying to do an end around the mystery that, that for eternity, in other words, it wants to think of God as becoming or being. So as he's in process, some people call it process theology. Sure. God is not in an evolutionary process. In the beginning was God, from all eternity there was God, and God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Always he was God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He always will be God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And therefore, that's how we get our understanding of community. You know, we are communal because God is communal. He made us to be communal. We're in his image. Therefore, as God is community, he invites us to partake of his community. And, and, and then our community gets transformed by God's community and our participation of that community, wherein the church is formed into a community, which is also, it's not God and human in the, in the real sense, but by the Holy Spirit that fills the body of Christ, this temple, we become the mediatorial presence of Christ in, with, and through the church. 
in this world. But we're not Christ. We're only Christ mediating. We, we are mediating the mediator. We're mediating a mediator. That's a good way to put it because you don't want to lose that he is the singular mediator. And therefore, for God, for Jesus to do what he came to do, which is to represent God and to advocate for God on his behalf, he had to be God. And to mediate on our behalf, he had to advocate on our behalf to God, and therefore he had to be human. And so there's a passage, and just to, to relate this to scripture, it's in Timothy, and it says, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and humanity, the man, Christ, the anointed one, Christ, Jesus, the human. That is a great passage in, in, in 2 Timothy 2.5 that just puts it right out there for you. Now, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Nothing to talk about, right? He's like, he answered all my questions. No, I have many more. Well, but, um, but think about the ways that we still live that and, and all of these different things. So if, so the key thing that I want to get back to atonement sure. is yes, he's a moral exemplar. Yes, he showed, you know, through the resurrection particularly, he is victorious over evil and, and Satan. You know, yes, what was the other one? Um, there's a mystical communion that we participate in with Christ. But ultimately, he came to advocate for us as our second Adam. We talked about that in our last episode. He became, he became according to Paul in chapter 5 of Romans, our, the second Adam that satisfied the legal covenantal uh, treaty that we had entered into at creation with God, that we failed the first Adam failed and Eve and he now came as a second Adam to fulfill that treaty and we call that penal substitution and that so when he went to the cross the cross was to satisfy so our big problem in life according to this view is God it wasn't Satan it's not that we don't know the moral way though that's true we didn't need just someone to help us know the right way that's not our ultimate problem our ultimate problem is not Satan. Our ultimate problem is not just our nature being in some mystical communion with God. Our real problem is God is offended. God, it's God's wrath. It's God's anger, righteous anger, righteous just, put it better today, because anger and wrath are justice terms. There is a just vengeance, by vengeance I mean justice, that that God to be just deserves. God needed to be satisfied. So the atonement theory is what did Christ come to satisfy? He came to satisfy God and his justice against humanity that rejected God and that that was an enmity with. So the Bible describes humanity not just being lost, we are lost, but we're also an enmity with God. We're 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 the enemies of God. And he needed to reconcile two people who were in, at enmity with each other. And yet God, the greater being, loved the world so much that he gave his only son. That he gave Christ to therefore satisfy our justice for us so that we wouldn't have to get, it wouldn't have to get satisfied on us, i.e. hell. So he took our hell, satisfied that, and he did that voluntarily with a contract that God and Jesus and God made a covenant well before we were born. It says, before even we were born, we were chosen in Christ. 
Okay, I've talked a lot here. Let's let's play with this now for a I while. I mean, you've talked a lot about things that I've heard before. Good. With all due respect. Good. Um, and I think I think one of the problems is, you know, at the end of the day, it is it is a mystery, and I do think that sometimes, and I'm not trying to throw sugar at you, uh, we try we, we throw a lot of fancy Latin around to to not to, even use Latin or now. Greek. You can't, you can't yeah, use that's me that's how ignorant one. I am. Uh, Greek. All right, Greek. Yeah, no Greek. Yeah, I, heard, I heard a lot of isms in, in what, yeah. what you just said. Right. Um, Although you're going to beat me, and we're and, and we're, we're, we're we might be missing the bigger picture, and it, and it's almost because because you know it's it's a, it's a simple faith in a way, and my I okay, let me take a step back. My my whole thing is okay, and maybe this is my imagination or how I've justified it. I've always thought Jesus is God's beloved child. Uh, a beloved son. God at some point was lonely and he needed some company. Um, you talked before about com uh, communal God, why we yearn for community, why we humans are social, why we can't just go in the woods and live by ourselves. I, I, I definitely, and I'm not trying to say God was imperfected or imperfect because he was lonely, because that being lonely implies imperfection. I'm saying that he realized that he needs someone to talk to. Um, so God was needy. God's needy. He's jealous. He's he's a lot of things, right? And but could you be jealous without being needy? I don't think so. I think uh, I might challenge that a little I, bit. I, well, I think there's a just jealousy yes. that is for us as much as it is. Well, maybe I'm thinking of the word envy. Rather envy. Than, yeah. I'm also thinking on human terms. So you think terms. God made us out of envy or just? No, 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 no. Yeah, help me understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to me, it's it's always made sense that God is the is the Almighty, the beginning, the the Alpha and the Omega. And who is God? Is God Trinity like that? Was that? Are you talking about God Trinity I've or are you talking about, about the Father? Father God. Okay, now we're talking about Father. And where I, was Jesus when there was all that? Jesus was the King of creation. He is the, and, 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 and please correct me if I'm wrong, Jesus is the king of creation who God appointed to rule over creation even before creation okay, was created. Okay, but hold it. God appointed Christ. Yes. So we got to use terms, just for this conversation, we're going to have to distinguish what God, what, who are we, what person of the Godhead are we referring to? The Father. The Father, the Father appointed Jesus. Appointed Jesus. To create to, the world. To no, no. Oh. To rule the world. To rule the world. God created the world. He, and okay, this is my correct. My wrong thinking. Let me just say the wrong thought. I love it. That's, you're, you're searching. This is good. No, you should, don't God, apologize, God, brother. God, you're doing what we, we all should be doing. I'm apologizing. I'm here. apologizing for the sake of apologetics. Yeah, I guess. But hey, uh, I, I, you're uh, not truly. Well, okay, I just okay, can't tell you okay. how much I admire the fact that you ask questions, so keep asking. Them. All right. All right. Um, or even just questioning. Yeah. The, the, the creator, we, let's call him the Father God. The creator, this is my theology. The creator created creation. He. The creator is the Father or the creator, Son? The creator or both? is the Father. Okay. The okay. Son was the appointed ruler, the king. So he created, then he says, Son, go rule the world. Yep. And the Holy Spirit is that interaction between the two parties. 
<laughs> what do you mean by that? He's mediating father and son, or is he? It's the uh, he is the the love bond. The love between, bond between the so the father the and father son don't and love son. each other without the Holy Spirit. Uh, the the Holy Spirit is a result of a consequence of such love. Yeah. In other words, yeah. So and then that to me in my mind makes more sense than thinking Jesus is the creator. If Jesus was the creator, I just feel like Jesus would come. If, if Jesus truly was the creator and he he reigned on earth, even as a man destined to die, I just as maybe I'm thinking of as a Jewish Pharisee here. I just felt that I just feel like he would have a much uh, uh, a different kind of ministry than the one he had. I How would it be different? Yeah. Uh, it, it would be maybe much more apocalyptic than than Jesus's ministry. In other words, it seemed as if Jesus on Earth was limited in terms of uh, or maybe even if it was willing limitations. He was man enough to 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 bleed and man enough to suffer. So he was like the man of all mans. The Marvel Man on steroids. But he wasn't Superman. He was courageous, strong. Because, because I'll be honest with my early walk and be like, Psh. the whole thing was like the cross. It, it was such a sacrifice. He bled on the cross for you. To me, it was just like, yeah, like, that's that's easy for Jesus to do. Why? Because because I view Jesus as like I guess maybe like Superman. Okay. Or like some kind of like Marvel character. What would like, make him Superman? Just because he's a Superhuman, or is he God? He, he's out walking on water, commanding the. So the is he God doing that? Is he man doing that? What he's he tapped into some of the Father's power. He's what? And this is where it gets what, what, crazy. What you say this is where it gets crazy. You're getting even more crazy. Yeah. Oh boy. He's tapped, and this is where we go. I think nutty. He, <laughs> he he's tapped. The you reason the reason why Jesus is able to calm the waters and 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 do all these miracles is because he's tapped. Tapped. It, tapped. He's what does that mean? Tapped? Like, yeah. Like, he's, when you tap a keg, you pour it in Okay, you're tapping. I got you. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. He's tapping into uh, the Almighty's power. Ah, okay. And I'm not, I know I'm not alone in such theology because a lot of people who I've walked with in my life, yep. I can have all the powers of Jesus. And what they mean by that is they mean superpower. They mean the supernatural aspects of it. If, it could, if Jesus could do it, so can I. What would Jesus do? Oh, well. I mean, you've really made him more different than us. I mean, I guess you could say we could tap into God's power by the Holy Spirit that taps, maybe the Holy Spirit becomes the, the mechanism through which God brings. This idea of the Spirit is God really just giving us power, but we must pray for it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, you pretty much... Uh, if I may, I'm gonna play. A, 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 if I may, I'm gonna pl play. Did a, I invent a new heresy? I'm gonna, I'm gonna play an Alex. Right did now. I invent a if new heresy? If I may, I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy. <laughs> I want to know. Did I invent a new heresy? Because I'd be. Uh, there are so many heresies in what you just said. I don't even know where to start. Please correct me, because I'll be honest. That, that's. That, yeah, I know I'm not alone in such thinking. And I, I, I'm sure you're not, and that's yeah. and it's beautiful that you have a searching soul and mind that wants to really investigate all this. And I wish everyone would be as as, in, as inquisitive and real and honest as you are. Because everything you have said, the reason they're all, all half-truths in some ways, but they're all heresies because people really do think. I mean, 
knowing church history and history and his heresy is just studying about what we're still doing. So I, I think it's really helpful though that the church studied these different ideas, went to the scripture and studied them, and historically, with great counsels and deliberations, said, "Oh, we got to clarify. It. Oh, we got to clarify it." And the Nicene Creed is probably the most perfect clarification. It's not the Word of God, but it's the most perfect we'll get. And it's gonna it's gonna definitely handle many of those heresies if you go back and read it. Now, maybe I will do it later. But but let me just start with God's Word, and let's just play with this for a little bit. Sure. In the beginning, says John. In the beginning, which means before the earth had been created, in the beginning was the Word. Now, what is this Word? The Word was with God. Okay, so now we got God and Word distinct. The Word was, uh, the Word was with God. The Word was God. Hold it, now Word is synonymous with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him, the Word that was with God, the Word that was God, is, um, is it, it, in him was life, and the life was the light of humanity, etc., etc. And then it's going to go on to say how this Word becomes a man and temples among us. In verse 14. What are you going to do with that? Um, here's another one. I've heard that. Another one would be in Hebrews. One, one other passage maybe to play around with is in Hebrews chapter 1 that comes to mind. Listen to this one. So long ago and many times in many ways God spoke to his fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us in his son. Now we got his son there. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. So now we have who? He. God the Father has appointed his son to be heir. So that's getting close to what you said. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, look at him. He's, he's really gloating now. That's what I said. You're gloating. Well, yeah, you did. And I'm, I told you this part of it was true. The heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Hold it. That's the, the point. The heir yeah. also created the world. I'm, 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 what's now listen to this next part, because this really gets good. He is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his, not God, the Father's, power. And this idea of being the radiance of, of, of the glory of God, that's not to say he's not the glory of God, that's to say that the glory that is God's is the same glory radiating in, with, and through him. He's not just mirroring it, he is actually coming and, and disseminating from it. And so this idea goes on, and then, he, and then he goes on to say how this God, therefore, upholds the universe by the word of his power, and therefore, after making purification for sins, and that gets to this atoning, uh, uh, this penal substitution thing, he had to come and satisfy God's justice, that's the purification part of our sins. He then sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name they inherited is more excellent than theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Now here's a key word here, begotten. We do not say that Jesus was born or 
Jesus the Christ was born, he was begotten. Amen. There's a difference between that. He was born as a human, but he was begotten from God, which means that he is he is of God. It's different. I'm trying to make the right word. It's, I, well, first of all, I, okay. So, and that's why, listen to this. In the Nicene Creeds, it's going to say, begotten, not made. I could, I, I, if I, if I took out my hand. Yeah. I wouldn't have born, I wouldn't have birthed my hand. I have taken it out of my essence and now it's both me. My hand exists on its own. But, but, it, but here's the key that, issue. Here's can the we define key the difference. word begotten? The key difference is if you go to, I could go to another, I, we just don't have to go to all the scripture. If you go back to John chapter 17, I mean, if you read that, you'll read that God, the Father, and God, the Son, are two distinct persons. For the God, the Son is talking to God, the Father. It's not God, the Father, now expressing himself through his Son. It is God, the Father, a person, God, the Son, a person, and that prayer, they are talking to one another as two distinct persons, to give you one example. And the same with the Holy Spirit. And so this is key. This is so key to all the heresies. We just can't do an in around about it. You know, the scripture presents the Trinity as a unity of three persons. And they're so united that they are indistinguishable as God, even as Christ, as part of his unique person, I don't want to say ality, but as, as this personhood is both God and human. And he was both God and human from before the foundation of the world. And he continues in heaven to be both God and human, which is why he can continue to advocate for us in heaven. It says he advocates for us to the Father. He intercedes for us. When he comes to the Father, he comes to the Father as, hey, hey God, I'm, I'm being very almost sacrilegious here. Hey, Dad, look look at me, man. I'm human. I have every right to, 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 to represent these people that you're over here a little bit angry with, okay? He's human. I'm human. And I was the perfect human, infused as it was with the divinity. I am perfect human, and I have satisfied perfectly what Adam didn't satisfy. And so therefore, I am taking my blood, it says this literally in, in, in Revelations, and by his blood, he, he offers his sacrifice of blood, death, hell, to God and say, God, your justice is satisfied. Therefore, receive, you know, Alex. Yep. Receive Alex as justified. And God responds, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, and I, you have the apple of my eye and you have done what needed to be done on behalf of Alex and I receive your substitutionary sacrifice. So who's sacrifice. in control here? I guess they all are, even though within the Trinity, there is certainly a- It sounds like one. They uh, are one. <laughs> but it sounds like one of the distinctions uh, needs to satisfy the other. Where no, it's not, it's not that God had the Father did not God the Father. I just okay. Maybe, maybe, here's a heresy. Let's let's just get yeah, it out. Well, of the it's hard to talk about it without being in a heresy. That's why you have to speak. I keep saying we got to just walk through the, mer the the mystery, not around it. We have to walk right through it. We just have to say things that in in our minds will seem sometimes contradictory. Sure, and, I, and I've, make always your thought, I've always thought uh, the Father God has more power than the Son. I don't think He has more power. 
he has a, a role of an authority wherein his 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 authority if you will is such that he Jesus didn't send himself he was sent as my as my but that's point. authority but that doesn't mean that Jesus ceases to be God it's within the Godhead that he is sent okay. and by the way Jesus sends the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit doesn't send himself but if I if I if I was your son and you had a house um, I wouldn't cease to be man. That's right. Even though I'm your son. Exactly. But I would ask your permission to live in your house. Okay, you're getting and close. Say, and say, hey, this this dude, he's with me now. He can come too. I trust you. Let's go. So, in a temporal term, we are waiting to figure a way where, okay, so if God is a th father, is a, has this role within the Trinity of being the decreer, the whatever you want to call it. He decrees. Uh, it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't have decrees acting as Lord over the universe, but within the Godhead, the Father is the Father who decrees the Son, and the Son is the Son who decrees the Holy Spirit, even though all three are God. And it's in, take, take your analogy, and again it breaks down, you are no less human by the fact that we relate to one another a certain way than the Father and the Son are less God, even as they relate to one another in a certain way. And so, yes, there is a kind of hierarchy of, of authority that the Son perfectly honors in love. And yet, it, I am going to turn this John passage. What are you going to say while I turn to it? That the only way I can accept or understand, put it better, because I know I don't understand much. Uh, no, yeah, you're not going to understand it. I, yeah. The, the, the closest, if you want to wrap it into your rationality. Real quick, the closest thing I can get is the way I, uh, the Trinity, right? I want to make a website. I can't make a website without a computer. So I think like maybe if I am the Almighty here, I couldn't make creation without Jesus. In the same way that I use a computer to make a website. That's a really faulty, but it's the concept of a, it's, it's a through, it's a, it's a vessel, it's a medium, it's a, you can't paint a picture without a canvas. So that's, that to me is the only thing I can rationally understand what it means when the scripture says, through him all things were made. So it's really hard to say this to a human being, <laughs> but as long as you want to fit, to squish, to squeeze God, into a mind that is that is uh, itself created and temporal is the moment if you push too hard you're creating a heresy that's all I'm saying these are all metaphors at best that we're coming up with we are dealing with an infinite eternal being here and you know the big difference is we're not talking about just a moral teacher here that's right and I think that's important. Though he is that, but yes. Yeah, but the fact that we're, we're, we're talking and taking him so seriously, I think we should go back to what we originally said, it was like, who is Jesus more than just a moral teacher? I, I wouldn't use these analogies in, in saying, uh, you know, Aristotle or, or, or Plato or whoever. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Listen to the way Jesus, this isn't gonna be theology direct. This prayer that we call the High Priestly Prayer of Christ just illustrates what we're saying theologically. 
okay? Just think about now this conversation and what I'm about to read. So it goes on, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He's human on earth, lifting his eyes to heaven, but is he God lifting his eyes to heaven? Yes, but he's not God the Father. He's God the Son lifting his eyes to heaven to where the Father is seated, even though God is everywhere. Just blows your brain. And then he goes, Father. He's talking to his dad. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. He's asking God to glorify, which is to vindicate him, is basically what he's talking about. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So now I'm here to glorify you, and you, I'm praying, will glorify me that I might glorify you. And then he goes on and he says, you have given all authority, you have, you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all. The authority is given to Jesus by the Father to give eternal life to all. There's two persons here, man. You can't get around it. There's Thank two you. persons. I've been, that, that, me, that, yeah, I, but you can't, but you can't, it wasn't the Father speaking to the Father. It's the Father who sent his Son who's speaking to his Father. That's key. That I thought was getting lost. And so then he goes on, whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they have, that they know you, the Father, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. And now you're thinking, hold it, is he not God? And then he goes on. Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given to me. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had. Listen to this. Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. What in the world? Think about that. Before the world even existed, he already had a glory. But now he's asking for the glory that he had before the world existed to be manifest on him now as he is on earth. And he's asking God to give that glory. You see? So it's not that he became... It's not that he's becoming God here. It's not that he is asking to it's become God. It's not the human realizing he he's is God. God and now he's asking for the one who was glorified as God in heaven before the the beginning of the world is now asking that God would glorify him in this world but not change who he was he was always glorified God but he's now being asked that God would glorify him in this world which he will do by the Holy Spirit when Christ raises him from the dead when the Holy Spirit Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead yeah can, uh, I think we might have to end soon even though this felt like five minutes. Are you serious? We are almost through? Yeah. We need to talk about a couple of things, but yeah, let's go. Um, this has been cool. Who's the Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? We, we, we didn't bring... We, I, I, He's a person. Okay. A personality. Just as the Father's a person, just as the Son. Think of personality in a, in a general sense. And all three persons, they are begotten, not made, Jesus. It's not so like... So he's not, he's not just... I've heard many pastors say that, that the Holy Spirit essentially is that connection between the Father and the Son is so strong that it manifested into the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah, I wouldn't quite say it that way. Um, I mean, I, I'm not trying to, I'd have to hear the whole sermon. Maybe he's trying to do what is impossible. See, I knew I'd do that. I didn't do it, but I almost did. My blind spot here. Um, I just think we have to make our peace with the fact, and I know it's hard, but you know, I wrestle with it too, but I mean, Outside of temporal limitations, there existed three persons, all one. 
There was no time uh, limitations. There's no spatial. Rep- you know, we get spatial into this. We're thinking I can't be three and one spatially. There's that chair and there's that chair. These chairs are separate, and they're never going to be there for the same chair. I but they're chairs. But they're but they're chairs, and we we have a problem with that. Saying well, they're really one chair. They're just they're just two. Well, we have a problem with that because in this world there can't be one that is two. We just can't do it. So I think in heaven we gotta understand that it's a non-created reality in heaven. It's it's a spirit reality, and so therefore we have that. I don't want to lose the sight though. So the key to all this, this has all been great and somewhat academic, probably more than any we've ever done. I realize, but let's get beyond that. Let's don't lose before we we end that. So what? That's so what, what I'm saying. Who gives an effort? Well, in a way, because well, the so what is one that that. Christ was perfectly suited to save us. We we needed a savior, not a spiritual guide. Amen to that. We needed someone who could save us from a problem. And that's what makes him distinct rather exactly. than all the other religious that's right. That's why he's not a sectarian uh, guide. He's not the guide of the East. He's not the guide of the West. All the other spiritual guides pointed the way. Like a moral exemplar or whatever. They pointed the way. This one said, I am the way. Amen. He's the end point. <laughs> I am the life. I am the bread. I am, I am, I am. And so we can't get beyond that. If Jesus is not both God and human, he's not the way. It's that simple. Or worthy of worship the way we worship. Well, that too. But, but clearly, remember, the problem is that there was an injustice done that needed to be satisfied. And he came to satisfy it. And he could do that because he could act on our behalf as the second Adam man and he could act on God's behalf as the second person of the Trinity Jesus God and together they become the savior of the world the mediator and we can't lose that and then you ask well then how then does God function how does Jesus come to save us and this is where we can go into more later but he became a prophet he proclaimed he taught he declared and revealed God to us he became a priest. He sacrificed for us and mediated for us. He became a king, and then he became our ruler and guide and, and Lord that protected us and that, that uh, governs us in this world. And prophet, priest, and king, God and human, both. One God, three persons, sends us the Holy Spirit now to commune with Christ, to reveal what Christ is continuing to reveal through the word, it's all there, but it's it, the moment you take it beyond that, you almost get screwed. You ought to go home tonight. I don't, we won't do it now. It's also, you know, I, read the Nicene Creed tonight before you go to bed. I'm going to do it too. Amen. And it's incredible how our church fathers and mothers struggled sure. to put in words the mystery of the Trinity in that in that document. It's incredible. It's very. And you'll see that they'll cover all these things that we've been talking about. You know, part part of what we're talking about is maybe to end it. Part of what we're talking about is fun. It's it's it's, it's you're right. It's, it's kind of fun to banter. It's it's imagination. It's almost speculative. It is speculative. Um, yeah. I you know, and it's one of those things that we honestly you can have you can be the most decorated theologian of all times with all due respect, and 
you know, it's 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 still. <laughs> when he says that, I just crack up. It's 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 it's. I don't think I'm the greatest revolutionary. So you didn't have to respect me that way. No worries, because I wasn't talking about you. Okay, good. Um, I guess my point is. Take it to me, brother. Take it to me. A lot of this is we're trying to understand the how. Whereas I think the important thing we should take away is the why. In other words, you know, the, the science of how this all happens, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, man is very capable of inventing maybe 20 more her uh, heresies that we're going to have to one day dispute. And I'm down to, I'm down to dispute. Um, but the bigger picture is, is, is putting faith in that name, Jesus, that he can save us. Amen. Absolutely. And then I feel like when we pass, we'll understand. And, and, and you know, all, it's, it's, and I agree with you that we don't yeah. ever want to lose the it's simplicity. It's like trying to teach an ant how to play dominoes. An ant yeah. can only understand ant things. Well, but I do think it's important. I mean, I, there's a little bit of you, I think, that's sort of chafing that, hey, we're gotten real heady here. And yeah, you maybe you have a point. But the fact of the matter is people are rejecting Jesus all over Here's another so what. Why did all this matter? Because at some level, there's enough, there's more revelation from the scripture than I feel like we have given God credit for. And we so quickly dismiss Christianity and the and, and the Trinity and and what why Christ is the Savior in a world that's pluralistic. We need to rediscover what we talked about today. Because right now people are just leaving in, in droves because they weren't doing what we're doing right now. And trying to think, hold it. Why, why is it not in most? Why is it not the most arrogant thing in the world for you people, quote, in the West, to claim Jesus as the only way, truth, and life? There's no way to heaven except by Him. That is so arrogant. Unless you then have to take it back to a. But we say that not out of out of some kind of a tribal preference of being Western or European or whatever you want to call it. We say it because there's something about the very nature of Christ that makes him unique. We're not doing it just because it gives, this isn't a Western doctrine. In fact, heck, the early church was Eastern. <laughs> and, and so Ethiopia is where we think the humanity began. You know, and so it's, it's really not a Western thing. It's not a, a European thing. It's not even just a Middle Eastern thing. It's, it's really about the nature of this person. And, and was he by nature this person? And the, the resurrection is a big part of that. We say, but I would have doubted it except that he was raised from the dead and 400 plus people saw this and touched him and felt him and talked with him. And these documents were written within a hundred, you know, within at least It's also than hard years. to argue that that name has some kind of authority on earth. I don't think it's the name just being the name. Jesus, like you said, is a common name now among you're, you know, you said the, uh, yeah, the Latino, the Latino Jesus. community, yeah, yeah. Jesus. It's a common name, but when we speak of Jesus, no, and then I'm, put to it the yeah. Christ, yeah. not his last name. Now life. that's not anybody that's Hispanic or, or Latino. Amen. That is someone that is a unique person that may, is both God and human, and it's because of that unique. So people have to grapple with that before we just dismiss as being arrogant or being whatever you know sectarian we have to ask the question is it possible that there was genuinely a person on earth that was the fullness of god in his being as well 
And if so, that's a mystery that we'd call a miracle. That's why the Immaculate Conception is so important, that we believe it was the Holy Spirit that conceived with the egg of a human and made a God-man, to put it bluntly. And that just blows our brain, that the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't, it wasn't the seed of a man that, 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 you know, a sperm of a man that joined with an egg. It was the seed of the Holy Spirit, God, that joined with an egg that created Jesus Christ. From the beginning, he was God and man. And that's, that's, that, everything resides on that. If that's not true, then I'm not a Christian anymore, and I don't want to be one. So it was important to get into it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for watching. We got to wrap up. The owl people are uh, looking at us. Looking at us. Yeah. They have a little whiskey tasting coming up here. Yeah, we won't be there for that. Um, guys, if you like the show, if you have questions, especially after something like today, please write to us. We will read them. If you like this show, share it with your friends and family. Share it. Instagram, you know the deal. Uh, what are we, we're cheering to? Well, what are we cheer to? You, you come up with it this time. The Trinity. The Trinity. As best as we know it. As revealed in Jesus Christ. As revealed Somewhere in Jesus. we got to get Christ back into it. You just listened to Smokin' Theologians. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe. Consider a five-star rating and share it with your friends. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, write to us at holler at smokintheologians.com. No G in smokin'.